there will now be an opportunity for silent prayer or meditation. Please be seated. Honorable members, in the interest of safety for all present in the chamber, please keep your masks on and sit in your designated area. The secretary will read the first order of the day. Right on Youth Day, promoting sustainable livelihoods and the resilience of young people in South Africa for a better tomorrow. Thank you very much. The Honorable S.M. Kula from the ANC is invited to the podium. Thank you very pleased. Greetings to the House Chairperson. Uh, Honorable members. We the chief whip of the majority party, ministers and deputy ministers, honorable members of parliament, ladies and gentlemen, youth as a strata in transit have always been a critical body of opinion. They have shaped many revolutions in Africa and parts of the world. Our country, South Africa, is not different. Every time I speak on the question of youth, I'm reminded of the words of the former president of the ANC, Oliver Reginald Trump. They always echo in my mind and heart that, and I quote, a country, a people, a movement that does not take off its youth does not deserve its future. Hence, we have always maintained and are cognizant of the fact that we as young people are the future and no one can stop us. In this forward on the National Youth Development Policy Framework, former minister and the president, Dr. Isopad, correctly captures the spirit of what drove young people on the fateful morning of June 16, 1976. He writes that the claim for you to a brighter future is unquestionable. Our youth have in our history of blood and effort won much of the brand of the struggle for many years under apartheid. They were quite literally and deliberately deprived of a future by a system which kept all blacks in their, in their country of bed. For young people, it means enormous deprivation just at the very time with the when they should fully look forward to a full life. The education system then was specifically designed to keep black people as worse of food and drawers of food. They grew up in a society that was an iron grip of, an, of oppression. They knew nothing but arrest, torture, and death itself. This is what broke the kennels back and made young people to stand up and say, enough is enough. Speaker, let me take this opportunity to pay homage to the 1976 generation, As the current generation of youth, we owe you our loyalty for your colossal efforts to dismantle a brutal apartheid system. South Africa is a better place than it was in, 1990, in 1976, thanks to the contribution of our forebears and the AMC government. Under apartheid government, young people lived in a society where they first arrest, torture, and even death itself. Today, young people live in a democratic and prospering society. 
I want to take this opportunity, House Chairperson, to report to the 1976 generation, as well as preceding and succeeding generation of youth, that in our country today, we have abolished Africans as a medium of instruction in our schools. We have repealed Bantu Education Act, Act which prevented young people from reaching their true potential. We are professionalizing the early childhood development learning, that there is feeding scheme in both primary and secondary school, that young people have got access to institution of higher learning. Our youth today have got jobs that in the past were preserved for white people. We have young people in mining, construction, ICT, agriculture, and manufacturing. Young people are thriving in sports, arts, and culture, and entertainment. We understand fully well that more still needs to be done to tap into the untapped potential of many of our youth. Sazika kutokba kukuteni nganibeni. Kutwa kalukenyane msule yukba inkubela yonangumsan. We in the ANC understand that while progress has been made on many fronts to improve the quality of lives of young people and other groups, more still needs to be done to create a better life for all that we promised our people in 1994. Our strategy and tactics document correctly captures this when it assesses that a national democratic society constitutes the ideal state who aspire to as the ANC and the broad democratic movement. It should does not be confused with the tactical positions that the liberation movement from, may adopt from time to time, taking into account the balance of forces within our country and abroad. Circumstances in which we conduct social transformation will change at all times, and in the process of effecting such transformation, there will be successes and setbacks. As a movement, we are sparing neither strength nor courage to service the youth of this country. It is only those who make an attempt who at times experience failure, unlike the many, unlike the many prophets of doom in this house who claim perfection out of inactivity. The only thing that they know is to criticize. The s leadership of the NYDA under the capable leadership of my brother, friend, and comrade, Sifiso Tsonum was punching above its weight in terms of addressing challenges of youth development. Many young people have been assisted to either start or grow their business. The NYDA has opened many regional offices across the country to make it easier for young people to access the agents. The new NYDA, with the capable young women at the helm in the form of the executive chair and the executive deputy chair, demonstrates our government confidence in the young women of our country. The National Youth Development Policy Framework, amongst others, recognize that the challenge of sustainable youth development and the sound well-being of the youth are their ability to meet the many basic needs of the present generation and to improve their quality of life. Many African youth with no secondary education constitute the majority of the economically inactive population. This is a breeding ground of gangsterism, of substance abuse in the form of matompe and nyaupe, teenage pregnancy, violent crimes, and the harbor for absent mothers or negligent mothers, absent fathers or negligent mothers. This needs to be addressed through a skills revolution. These young people need to be equipped with relevant skills that are fit for the economy. In the Okutibashale Sponen is not going to help. Many of them need to be assisted by being taken to proper rehabilitation facilities to curtail the problem of substance abuse. The ANC remains committed to improving the education system in this country in light of the changing condition. At its recent 54th National Conference, we resolved that all children of South Africa must get equal opportunities 
equal opportunities in terms of infrastructure in all the schools if we are to maximize the opportunities presented by the fourth industrial revolution. Let's continue to appreciate the role played by South African Youth Council at Natlake. During the recent local government elections, the ANC demonstrated beyond all and sundry that it takes young people serious over any other party in this house. This did not, they did not do only by setting a requirement of 30% youth representation on their list, but with the deployment of many young mayors, speakers, chief whip, and MMC to add on the young people that are currently serving as ministers and deputy ministers, MPs, and MPLs. In the ANC takes the youth of this country serious. There is a gradual introduction of youth in the administrations and business. It is hard to imagine that we would be where we are as a nation without the activism of the youth. They are bravery in the light of the monster before them to fight their, for their rights. How can we use this unflinching courage to inspire the youth of today to confront the many social ills, including the elephant in the room that is a ticking time bomb, the issue of youth unemployment, not forgetting the lack of adequate skills amongst the youth that are key in driving our economy. House Shepherdson, we must decry the tendency to use June 16 as an opportunity for the youth to bind. That day is not designed that young people must drink because we are speaking on the legacy of the 1976 generation. We must encourage lectures, symposium, dialogues amongst the youth, government, business, and civil society on how to resolve the challenges confronting young people today. We must use June 16 to highlight our Africa, be it in sports, arts, entertainment, and business. We must encourage government, municipalities, churches, business establishment to open public buildings and their premises for free so that young people can showcase their talent on this day. House Shepherdson, let me define that to this parliament the kind of South Africa young people want to live in. We want to live in a country where they were free of crime. We want to live in a country where there are employment and economic opportunities. We want to live in a country where young people can realize their true potential without any hindrance. Our government and society should be cognizant that young people live according to how Amika Kalbal characterized our approach to the revolution. That we must always bear in mind that the people are not fighting for ideas, for the things in one head. They are fighting to win material benefits, to live a better life and in peace, to see their lives go, out, go forward, to guarantee the future of their children. Hence, we as young people, we fully identify with the lyrics of the popular Ama piano song, Adiwele, by Kabza the Small. To young people, people that we have got the responsibility as members of parliament to always carry ourselves with dignity. Members. People look to this parliament for solutions that they are faced with. Those who are coming your time to is expired. Your time is expired. Honorable Kola. Honorable Kola. Honorable Honorable members, honorable members, can I, can I, can I draw you, can I draw your attention, please? 
In front of me, there is a timer. In broad letters, very broad letters. I cannot make any excuse that I'm not seeing it or I made a mistake. It's right in front of me. So Honorable Kola had all the time on his side. When, he, when the objection started happening, he was left with quite a number of seconds. And I would not do him any favor or anyone favor for that matter. So please, just give me that chance. Give me a chance to, 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 to check my time. It's not like somebody has been done a favor yet. So let us agree on that. But at the same time, I will not object to you, to anyone raising an objection about that. Then I'll explain what happens. Thank you very much. Uh, the next speaker is the Honorable PT from the TA. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. As we draw closer to Youth Day, I would like to take this moment to honor an incredible leader who tragically lost his life on the 12th of June, 2022, by the name of Luto Jet Sekudela. This young man represented all that was right in this country, a passion for his community, a commitment to fight on behalf of the youth of South Africa, and a dedicated public servant who served the residents of Nelson Mandela Bay and Buffalo City with honor. At the time of his untimely passing, he was to be sworn in as a counselor in his hometown of Buffalo City. In an interview prior to what was going to be his swearing in as a counselor, he said the following, as a public servant, you must learn to be humble, humble to the people that you are serving, humble to the people you are serving with, and humble to the officials and administrators. I thought this would be important to echo these words so that we all may draw from them and be inspired by the type of leader Luto was. To his family, we thank, him, we thank them for sharing Luto with us and we pray for all of you during this time. To his friends and colleagues in the DA in the Eastern Cape and across the country, we send our deepest condolences. young leader of our generation. We will echo your words for many years to come. Honorable Chair, today I'm not going to lament about the failure of the ANC. We all know that the ANC is destroying South Africa. We all know that we are facing perhaps the most difficult times of our lives as young people in this country. No secret that each and every year, the lives of young people in this country get worse and worse. My question now is, for how long will we accept the government this employment amongst young people rocket to the highest levels it's ever been? A government that has failed to eradicate pillars, a government that has failed small businesses with bureaucratic legislation, a government that has been unable to grow the economy, a government that, quite frankly, is making young people consider leaving the country to find a better life. As the previous, previous speaker said, the former NYDA chair was his friend and comrade, and he still does not see the problem with that statement. He could not even mention one success in the past 10 years that the ANC government has made in succeeding the young people of this country. Instead, he reads us a song just to show how politically vacant the ANC is. To what end will we continue with the ANC. 
Today, I would rather talk about how we as the youth can turn the situation around. I believe that the power to turn this around is in our hands as young people. We can propose a reimagined society of opportunity and reclaim our democracy. We can fix it and find a new way at the same time. We can bring a democratic consensus and take all people, in which I mean all South Africans, to an authentic, solution-driven, people-centered society. There must be a time where graduates are not sitting at home without jobs, an economy that will serve all young people, functioning institutions of higher learning that understand that all we have is our dreams and nothing else. It's clear that the ANC is not up to task to do this. Fellow young people, young leaders, young entrepreneurs, artists, influencers, young people in corporate, unemployed youth, youth considering leaving the country, Abantu Abacha is Lalini. We can turn this around. It starts with removing the ANC. We are incredibly proud of the great work that is being done by DA mayors across the country who are putting young people at the center of their agenda and making sure that they capacitate the future of this country for tomorrow. These DA-led coalition governments are not telling you, young people thank to Thank you very much, Putting young people forward. Thank you very much. Honorable Sira. You can go ahead. Greetings, the Commander-in-Chief of the EFF, Julia Silo Malema, all the officials, commissars, ground forces, and sympathizers of the only movement that cares about the well-being of young people in this country. Today, we commemorate and remember the relentless and monumental youth of 1976, who at the height... Please do not drown the speaker. Give her a chance to speak, please. Today, we commemorate and remember the relentless and monumental youth of 1976 who at the height of the display of hatred and oppression against black people, took to the streets to remind the apartheid government that guns, political power, and stolen economic mass meant nothing when faced the will and determination of young people. This group of young people who fought the apartheid government to death will forever be noted as fundamental to the tenets of what we deem as resilience, determination, sacrifice, black power, and the overcoming of white dominance in African Erdogan. This because in the apartheid government, was faced with unarmed 13-year-old fist in the air. The apartheid regime responded with guns and mass massacre of over 170 young people, exposing the true weakness and fragility of white supremacy. This is precisely what should encourage the youth of today to not cower to the ANC government. All the power, stolen monies, and guns they used to murder those who fight the status quo will eventually mean absolutely nothing when confronted by the will and determination of young people. We remind the youth of today that our quest for true liberty, for economic freedom in our lifetime, is still underway. It is by design that we are poor. It is intentional that we are unemployed. It is not a coincidence that our communities are infested with crime and violence. It is not by mistake that we have been overcome by drugs. We are led by ANC mafias who truly benefit when we are downtrodden, uneducated, poor, unemployed, raped, murdered, intoxicated, and riddled with preventable illnesses. 
The AC government did not remember that we are the youth when they looted 500 billion during a pandemic. They do not remember that we are youth when we are sexually violated and killed as women and gay people and further turned away at police stations when we seek refuge. They do not remember that we are youth when they take Bill Gates' money and put it in their mattresses while we die to depression and actual hunger. They don't remember that we are youth when they fail to assist young mothers at maintenance courts when we are desperate for justice. They don't remember that we are youth when we ask for mines for a mere 1,000 rand raise while CEOs of the very same mines and hundreds of millions. They don't remember that we are youth in our suffering, but somehow we must remember that they are elders when we push back against their corruption, greed, and hunger for power. Young people continue being turned away from universities because they are poor. Sisipo and Sisetu. Minister Blaine Zimande blue-ticked our plea to allow you to continue at UCT because you're deserving. None of the evidence showing your poverty will ever make him and the rest of these political gorgons put young people first in the country. Young women in Atridgeville, Soshanguve, Mamilodi, Mabopane, Hamaskral, Harangua. My ANC will continue asking you for sex in exchange for a job to pick up papers in the streets and then turn around and ask you to respect them because they are elders. There is truly no law that the ANC government has not visited to humiliate the youth of this country. However, the time to wallow around and massage the feelings of the regime that oversees our oppression has come to an end. The immunity of choice to be for or against politics has truly expired. As young people, we no longer have the liberty to give respect to criminals just because they are 70 years old. We respect elders with integrity, not gangsters. There are heaps of solutions that visit this house through the EFF to bring an end to the crisis of unemployment, violence, landlessness, and exploitation of workers. It is simply not a priority for the government of the day. As the EFF, we will continue fighting for lower data rates. Access to information is a human right. We will continue calling for an end to outsourcing and that workers be insourced in all state institutions. For mines, mineral wealth, and other strategic sectors of the economy to be nationalized. For the creation of multiple state-owned banks and various industries, in various industries. We will continue to demand and fight for the protection and promotion of infant industries and informal uh, traders. For free education and domestic industrialization. For school to be compulsory from early childhood development when a child is three years old and not just from grade one. For every school to have a social worker to deal with dropout at challenges. It is a lie that pupils drop out because of laziness. They do so because poverty is stifling and has a reverberating effect on the youth. These matters are as personal as can be for the youth of today. And the youth of today should rise up with every chance they get to show these gangsters, wherever they show their face, that they have truly messed with the wrong generation. Young people must not be scared. We will outlive all of them one by one and combined. And we must defend our future from the African national criminals led by the money launderer. Thank you, Shepson. Thank you, Honorable Member. Honorable, Honorable Zondo from the IFP, the next speaker. Honorable Speaker, the IFP commemorates the youth who sacrificed their lives during the Soweto uprising in 1976. Uh, honorable members. They acted fearlessly in pursuing of the veil of human dignity and fight, and fight for equality and right to, to the quality education under the brutal and inhumane apartheid regime. The youth who acted against such 
and unjust government some 46 years ago show us the importance and power that the youth yield. Their selfless act cutted the way for the true inspiration transition into democratic South Africa when the rest of, of the world expected the civil war. This year is unlike the, the years before. We faced with the hollow celebration of, of our country finding itself near economic collapse and youth unemployment is at its highest ever. Speaker, empowerment of young people goes beyond works literally in speech, speeches and debates. It requires us to legislate, to act in defense and in, in promoting of our youth agenda. It, it is that's why the IFP is taking up the issue through the, our private members' bill, the, the Employment Service Amendment Bill. Really, the, the meaning and meaningfully transformation can only take place where we have secured jobs for all our young people. We are pushing South Africa first. We are protecting our youth and people from current unjust unemployment that is driven by the illegal occupation of jobs from undocumented foreign nations. We call on, on this house to do the same beyond the debate and the young months, but in all government and department programs. But let us not beat around the bush here to calculate the, the harshest of reality faced by millions of young people. Our society remains deeply in, unequal, and when the poor rural black child cannot access the same opportunity as his or her urban contemporary, then we cannot speak of progress. When young people are stuck with, without access to internet, computers, incubators, hubs for entrepreneurship, we cannot speak of great strive we are making. Speaker, the theme remain. We must protect our youth and their future. We must ensure that they have access to job. Their energy is not prescribed for a lifetime of poverty. I say to all of people of our country that through the principle of self-help and self-reliance, we can lift our, ourselves up out of poverty and unemployment through solidarity and by working together. If we, we act with the spirit of Ubuntu, we can achieve a goal of rebuilding our, our country and rewriting the narrative of our youth into a positive one. Each one must eat each one. We are to live a better tomorrow and create a sustainable li livelihood. Speaker, and we cannot deny that. Thank you, Voorzitter. Chairperson, every year brings with it another youth month, another youth day, another youth debate, another youth parliament, and another youth scene to set the illusion that the government of South Africa cares about its youth. In short, another talk shop to pacify the consciences of the politically elite into thinking they really care about the youth of South Africa. 
Dis die ouwe retoriek waarin ons gewoond is. Ons gaan vandag die geëikte vertellings van 1976 hoor, maar niks niets oor die huidige jeug van Zuid-Afrika nie. Die achtbare koola het reeds die afbrekende retoriek van een ouwe aansiertrik is begin. Ons gaan dalk hoor oor hoe die jeug van vandag moet dankbaar wees vir waarhul vandag is. En ons gaan hoor van spookasendroomerij van die regerende partij wat net drome gaan, be- gaan bly. Die realiteit van Zuid-Afrikaanse jeug is echter nie so rooskleerig soos wat die ANC ons vandag wil ontgloe nie. Die statistiek is skrikwekkend. The youth unemployment rate in South Africa averaged 54.8% from 2013 to 2021, reaching an all-time high of 66.5% in the third quarter of last year. The youth unemployment rate in South Africa is expected to be 66.7% by the end of this quarter, according to Trading Economics' expectations. In the long term, the South Africa youth unemployment rate is projected to trend around 68% in 2023. Jeugwerkloosheid is ongelukkig nie die enigste donker prentie wat vir die jeug geskets word nie. In South Africa, youth violence has a long history and is experienced by a significant portion of the country's youth. 2020's latest crime stats that have been released highlighted this unfortunate ex- escalation in crime against women, children and youth. In February, Times Live already published the heading with regards to crime stats, children under siege. What would we call the current statistics? Increases in reports of children and women being murdered have shot up by 372 and 70.5% respectively. The Ukraine-Russia crisis has seen less casualties than South Africa during the exact same period. The difference? We are not in a war. Hier is nie eers om van die haaglike realiteit van kinders in bende geteisterde gebiede soos die van die Kaapse vlakte en Skiereiland te noem nie. Die wereld het sy asem opgehou oor die schoolskieterij in Texas in die VSA, maar niemand het een oog geknip of een woord gerek dat op daar diezelfde dag die politie in die weeskap bende geweld en skieterij probeer die hoopslaan het en mens in hechtenis geneem het vir die vorige week sy noodlottige skieterij nie. Wat maak hierdie sinneloose moorde wat in die meeste gevalle ons schuldige slagoffers wat op die verkeerde tyd op die verkeerde plek was anders en minder nieswaardig? The Daily Maverick beskryf hier die uitgerekte bende geweld as a mounting massacre. Boonop, hier die, uh, die cijfers is door een groeiende tendens van jeug wat ons schuldig maak aan misdaad. Die departement van correctieve dienst het maandag gesê dat wil bekommerd is oor die toename in die jeug wat betrokken raak in misdaad. Daar is thans meer as 42.000 jeugmisdadigers in die land getronke. Voorzitter, collega's, Hierdie is net een paar skokkende statistiek wat die realiteit om een jong mens in Zuid-Afrika te wees verteenwoordig. En as ek alles moet vertel, dan, dan gaan ons die kan opnoem nie. Ons gaan nie jeugdag kan vier nie, maar ons sal een begrafnis hou en huil oor wat jeugdag kon wees, wat het sou wees as die ANC nie in beheer was en die verlede nie belangriker as die Heere is nie. Van koukartel sing en lekkie, verskoon my in hierdie cynische stemtoon, daar is iets wat my pla, en ek kan nie my vinger daarop sit nie, en hulle vraag later, wat het van ons geword? Voorzitter, ek kan my vinger daarop sit, dis die ANC, dit is wat ons gebeur het, en ons het niks anders te afdeelne, en die ANC is machtig geword. Dankie. The Honorable Soekers.
Honorable Chair, our greatest asset in this country is not the minerals in our soil, but the youth of our nation. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. The Jewish writer and psalmist King David recognizes the potency of youth and the promise it holds for, it holds for the future. For the purposes of this debate, the ACDP wish to focus on key drivers and barriers to build resilience and sustainability. The biggest barrier is the lack of coherence in initiatives at the community level. Reaching the youth on a 365-day basis should become our biggest commitment to drive change that will be sustainable. In my constituency that includes the rural Karua, it is evident that we suffer from a lack of creativity and coherence to ensure that we reach young people in their environment. Our best efforts are wasted when there is no coherence in the programs we drive at local, provincial, and national level. I come from recruitment. And if you want to be successful in your aims, you have to have a targeted approach and a well-defined plan. We have none. We speak past each other, as we are doing this morning, as key role players that are critical linkages in the chain to reach the youth. As I said yesterday, we lack a national consensus to focus on the critical social issues that hampers our nation. Young people are our biggest and most valuable asset. Lavender Hill and Beaufort West are vastly different communities with one commonality. Our youth dropout rate at late primary and early, early high school years. When you drive through the, uh, through the Karua, Beaufort, Victoria West, you find young people standing at garages begging for food or for money. The best time of their life wasted. We are losing the youth at the most critical stage of their development. What must we do? This country does not lack money. It lacks creative focus. We must create catchment areas and programs for youth that dropped out from school. Link the child, the youth, to a program in his immediate environment. Reduce the days that the child or a young person is out of learning and development. The task, C.S. Lewis says, of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. Let us irrigate the deserts at the Cape Flats, the central Karoo, with a central and laser-sharp focus to reach young people. And let me say, on the next 16th of June, break up Parliament and have it in our communities, in Lavender Hill, in the Karoo, in the rural areas, and speak to our young people, not to each other. Thank you. Thank you, Zukas. From the UDM, the Honorable S. Thank you, House Chair. We regarded 1994 as a turning point in the eman emancipation of the oppressed. However, the youth of our country is still experiencing a great deal of oppression from a black-led government through challenges such as poverty, unemployment, violence, and inequalities in education. It is like a repetition of injustices. I suppose each generation has its own struggles, but here in South Africa, young people are subjected to high levels of poverty, unemployment, and inequality. In fact, as it stands, youth unemployment has reached alarming proportions as it stands at almost 70%. The government has failed dismally to prioritize youth, empl youth employment. 
the labor market, as we know, does not create enough job opportunities. We need a kind of government that will prioritize job creation by reopening closed firms to strengthen local production and to ensure that we 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 we, we support the programs such as the black industrialist programs. Government must encourage small businesses and support startups to create more jobs for young people. Young people, as we know, colleagues are still oppressed through the education system, which provide less skills and training, thereby creating the skills gap that we know exists in the labor market. We know the challenges that are also faced by the so-called historically black institutions, which lack the necessary resources to be able to attend to the needs of young people who reside in those areas. Such inequalities are not addressed by the Department of Education as young people are most affected by it uh, in instances such that, that have to do with lack of funding, accommodation, and the question of student debt. Student debt has not been resolved. A typical example of this uh, inequality, education inequality, a meeting that was held between the Committee on Higher Education with the Department of Higher Education and Training, Council for Higher Education of Walter Zizulu, and Student Representatives Control to receive a full account on, on questioned accreditation status of five qualifications offered by WUSU. It was confirmed that there were 221 students who graduated from illegitimate programs between last year and this year. And currently there are 166 students registered in these programs uh, in this academic year. This shows that black young people continue to face challenges imposed by institutions of higher learning. In addition to these challenges, young people suffer from gender-based violence, more especially against women and, and children in this country. And the government is doing moving very slow to try and root out this problem. It is time for us to demonstrate and put this crisis, multiple crises, at the center of national dialogue. Youth unemployment, violence against women and children, the lack of quality education must be addressed as issues of national importance. Young people deserve better, and government must stop being an oppressor in a democratic system. I thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Kwangwa. From the ATM, the Honorable Zungola. Thank you, Chairperson. The youth is the future of this country. However, there is no future for the youth if the country does not have a future. There is no future when 67% of the youth are unemployed. Almost 50% of the country is dependent on social grants and 68 people are murdered daily. There is no future when so-called leaders of our country are money launderers, kidnap and torture people, evade paying taxes, violate immigration laws, are unethical leaders who hide millions of US dollars in their mattresses. The only people we know who, who hold such high volumes of US dollars in cash are CIA agents and spies. The youth has no future when their country is run by CIA agents and spies. Order, order, Young people order, can't inherit order, a country when justice is biased and people aren't equal before the law. Young people can't inherit a country when those in power suspend those who are investigating them. Only dictators do that. Young people must rise and reclaim our country from descending into dictatorship. Young people must reclaim the country from the wealthy who use their power and status to avoid being held accountable. Parliament must safeguard the future of this country by fulfilling its constitutional mandate. 
parliament must safeguard the future of this country for by holding the executive accountable, especially for serious transgressions to the law. This Youth Day must not be like other Youth Days, where we say the same things over and over again. Makui we apa kufele kona itole. Apa kufele kona itole ke kuseku patwe ningaba puli mteto. Abantu abaseden sana namanye amazwe. Ekugulale ni izweletu. Young people must reclaim this country from billionaires who have never invented anything. Billionaires who are obsessed about money, not the future generations of this country. Billionaires who take endless loans that sell out the sovereignty of our country. Loans that will be paid by future generations who do not even benefit from these loans. Billionaires who treat the running of our country as a side hustle. Billionaires who are greedy and are even willing to kill those who oppose them. Young people, this is our country. Let us reclaim our country from Namasela. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Gumola. Honorable members, maybe, maybe, maybe we need to, maybe we need to introduce, uh, I think we need to introduce these uh, traffic lights so that when the house goes out of order, beside me saying that the house is out of order, so it's red. Honorable members, please control your control your voices. Hashia, red is a very important color. Please, uh, it needs the respect. Honorable Heron. Order, thank honorable you, members. Thank you, House. thank you, House Chair. House Chair, twenty-eight years ago, on the first youth. They commemorated in the newly democratic South Africa. Then President Nelson Mandela announced the establishment of the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund. A year later, at the launch of the fund, he uttered the famous line that there could be no keener revelation of a society's soul than, than the way in which it treated its children. The vision of a new society that guides us should already be manifest in the steps we take to address the wrong done to our youth and to prepare for their future. Our actions and policies and the institutions we create should be eloquent, eloquent with care, respect, and love, he said. When we commemorate Youth Day tomorrow, we are duty-bound to acknowledge our failings in living up to that standard. But even more important are the hard questions we must ask looking forward. What are we going to do better? In 1976, South Africa's youth demonstrated they had agency. They recognized the wrongfulness of their society and had the power to effect change. Today's youth has no less agency. They have no less consciousness. Instead of being ground down by, by apartheid, they are kept down by a rank education system, unemployment, and poverty. Job creation was the focus of the president's sonar this year, but the situation remains dire. The rate of unemployment fell by 1% percentage point in the last quarter. But a 34% unemployment rate is not a number to be celebrated. It is an acknowledgement of a crisis. The cycle of poverty is unstoppable if people don't have access to any income. It is naive to expect our young people to excel on empty stomachs. 
There's plenty of scope for job creation in the areas of refurbishment, restoration, and recovery from our long-term economic slump. We need the skills to exploit these opportunities. We need to work to engineer an employment domino effect by fixing public infrastructure, refurbishing our cities and towns, and fulfilling our promise to house our citizens in dignified environments. We begin the knock-on effect of job creation. When we are seen to be succeeded, succeeding, others, including investors, will, will notice. We celebrate Youth Day to commemorate the bravery of the youth of, the, of our past, but, but also to steal our resolve to develop a sustainable and modern society for young people tomorrow. As a society, we have a duty to the youth to protect and nurture them. And all of us, including the youth, have a duty to fix our country, to contribute to developing a fairer, more hopeful, and more compassionate soul. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Hannah. The Honorable Sharif from the TA. Thank you, House Chairperson. We should not be debating how to promote resilience in young people. Nay, nay, we should be removing all obstacles that are restricting young people so they do not have to continuously be resilient. Resilience means being strong enough to bounce back from difficulties and overcome it. If anything, we should ensure that young people and generations that come after us do not have to go through what generations before us went through. We do not need to be resilient. We need to be given opportunities to better ourselves and our lives. Before we can speak of sustaining livelihoods, there first has to be some level of attainable livelihoods. Young people cannot even get jobs in this country, let alone be able to sustain any sort of livelihood. Young people cannot afford to buy homes of their own. They cannot afford to put petrol in their cars or afford to take a bus or a taxi to an interview. Young people go to school, get into debt, go through the most, and still cannot find a job that gives them a decent income. If you want to help young people, start there. Young women are being violated, raped, murdered, and abused today. Any plans this failing ANC government thinks they have to combat GBVF is delayed and pretty much non-existent. How can we look at a better tomorrow when we are struggling right now, today? Young men are struggling with anxiety and depression. They are being thrown out into the wild without the support needed to succeed. How can we talk about a better tomorrow without patronizing young people we are talking to today? Young people with disabilities experience this country at its worst. The Department of Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities suck. They have no programs or plans to give young people with disabilities a hand up. This department must once just close their doors because they are hella disappointing. We have some of the most amazing and inspiring young people in the world. Young people are moving and shaking up the status quo. They are innovating new ways to fix old problems, fighting for equality and protecting our environment. 
the vast networks of young people coming together to help each other and share opportunities amongst our cohorts is what makes us so special. The collaboration from those young professional and young professionals and entrepreneurs plugging each other to the young people in civil society and those in government that are demanding change to those in the media and in the entertainment industry. We see you. It is up to us to bring the change we are so desperately looking for. Young people are resilient, not because we want to be. We don't have a choice and it should never be like this. We don't need more debates. We need this government to start taking us seriously and move out of the way so we can bring change ourselves. If you are sick and tired as I am of this failing ANC government, make sure you are registered to vote in the 2024 national elections. If we go out to the polls in our numbers, we have the power to vote this ANC out and remove them from the seats of power they keep abusing and bring in a capable government. The DA is the only party that puts young people in places we can bring change. Like it or not, this is a fact. No cap. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Honorable Mutsongo from the ANC. Thank you very much, um, House Chairperson, the Chief Whip and the Deputy Chief Whip of the Majority Party, Honorable Members, Young People of South Africa, San Bonan. Allow me to pay tribute and celebrate the youth of 1976 who taught us to rise and stand firm for what is right, to fight for change and to believe in ourselves as a generation. I want to agree with Nelson Mandela when he said, I quote, sometimes it falls upon a generation to be great, that we can be that great generation and allow our greatness to blossom. Indeed, we are a great generation, a generation that stand in platforms like this to fight for interests of young people within the system. Those that paved the way for us to stand in these platforms and represent the interests of young people of this country. Honorable members, issues of young people need us all as a youth united in fighting them. It does not need us to come in party, in party caps to fight issues of the youth. We know very well all the challenges that young people in this country are facing. The African National Congress considers youth as a multi-force force for change. Our movement has seen and supported many generations of youth who have emerged within and outside the ANC and has made in, an impact to the struggle of our young people. The formation of the ANC itself was initiative driven by a young scholar, a pan-Africanist, Pixlili Gaiseme, who made a current call for the unity of all Africans in the continent. Honorable members, the youth of today is seized with, with the effects of unemployment, poverty, and inequality. This has 
has further been exacerbated by COVID-19 pandemic and has had a dreadful impact on young people with employment with unemployment rising amongst the youth. It is these challenges that have manifested other social ills such as substance abuse, crime, mental health issues, and gender-based violence. This social ills threaten the very essence of our social fiber and the youth bear the brunt of all these challenges. Honorable members, our social transformation agenda places youth at the center of the debate in terms of the programs of change that needs to happen and currently receiving different forms of financial assistance from government and other entities. Building an inclusive economy has seen numerous programs being opened up in learnerships, training and development, and government agencies promoting design entrepreneurship programs. Bringing the youth into the economy is the most important task that needs to be undertaken by our government. Chairperson, the latest, uh, the latest employment statistics provide some cause of relief, with 370,000 jobs being created in the first quarter of this year. The youth is the future, and hence government programs and the budget are structured towards programs that take youth forward towards the future. Therefore, these programs align themselves towards building an inclusive economy with the youth across sectors and master plans of the re of the economic reconstruction and recovery plan with the youth being placed in these plans, not only as beneficiaries, but also contributing to the economy. The process is mutually reinforcing with youth development from finance programs, whilst government learns more in shaping and design of programs that addresses specific and dedicated needs of young people. The ideas and energies of our youth are already being deployed in response to the socioeconomic conditions through their innovative and entrepreneurial spirits, especially in townships and rural areas. We have to, we speak of the story of Sibusi Sochabangu from Sibange village in Gomazi in Pumalangam, who together with his six employees was manufacturing oil, diesel, petrol, jet fuel, and LPG gas from his backyard using biotechnology from plastic waste. At this time, at that time, Sibusiso was manufacturing 200 liters of petrol, 200 liters of diesel and 50 liters of petrol a day and local community was a buzz and supportive of Sibusiso. We call upon the Small Enterprise Development Agency and other relevant state institutions to continue to provide the necessary support to innovators and entrepreneurs like Sibusiso who are providing economic solutions by speedily assisting them, them to meet compliance standards in order to supply the local markets and in process create youth employment. The National Youth Development Agency, which is an agency that is led by women, young women of this country who are equally capable of leading, continues to harness the spirit of entrepreneurship through their grant funding. We have to acknowledge the entrepreneurship that entrepreneurship has the ability to foster great creation in the country and many young people have taken advantage of prosperous opportunity. A good example is Zimela Mshong, a 28-year-old man from Langloop, a village in Pumalanga, who was able to start his visit, his Kawash business at the height of COVID-19 with the help of the National Youth Development Agency and has employed 13 young people in his business. Also in Wazulu Natal, a young person aged 34 by the name of Nakogonke was able to secure funding from the Provincial Department of Economic Development, Tourism and Environmental Affairs Operation Vula Business Fund 
and from the National Youth Development Agency to adequately run his hair business of selling purified water. Honorable Chairperson, earlier on I alluded on other issues, on, on other social ills that are affecting youth, such as crime, substance abuse, and gender-based violence. We must use sports and creative arts as a tool against crime and substance abuse in our communities to promote peace. Initiatives such as sports builds resilience and strengthens, strengthens the life skills of the youth amongst factors such as crime and drugs. The development, the development of recreation now facilities throughout our communities will, will also enable our communities to utilize the arts, culture, and sports initiatives effectively, enable their participation of youth, and reject unbecoming tendencies which undermine our social cohesion. The National Strategic Plan Against Gender-Based Violence and Femicide is a plan devised by all social partners to fight gender-based violence. This also this must also find expression into the schooling curriculum of basic education and tertiary institutions if we are to win the fight against gender-based violence. This also includes the participation of stakeholders such as us to continue to raise awareness about detrimental effects of gender-based violence in families and the broader society. This is towards the effort of fighting toxic behavior and toxic social norms that find expression in our, in our societies. Honorable members, if we are to end gender-based violence, the National Strategic Plan and gender-based violence has to include in all operations of learning, whether sports, arts and culture, school and further further education and the broader media. As the African National Congress, we are calling for all members of the society to become gender-based violence activists and take the stand against gender-based violence. Honorable members, as I conclude, another pandemic that does not receive enough coverage is the plight of suicide and depression in our country, particularly amongst young men in our society. We must promote cultural, verbal expressions and talk about our issues. Many young people are suffering in silence due to the social economic conditions that's, that they experience. We must break the silence. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Mishanga. Honorable Sheikh Iman. Thank you, House Chairperson. Chairperson, in 1976, there was a student uprising, both in Soweto and in the Western Cape, fighting for better quality education, the issue of language, and of course, to get an education as well, itself. Today, we have education. We're not taking advantage of it. Many of them don't even attend classes. That's why you have a 60% dropout. Previously, in 1976, you did not have enough facilities. Today, you have the facilities, but we are burning them, destroying them, vandalizing them. Half a billion rand worth of damages to the infrastructure alone. Previously, in 1976, we did not have free education, and we fought for it. We have free education today. But the money that we are providing in terms of NESPAS, we're using them for cell phones, for airtime, for designer clothes, hair and nails, not for intended purposes. In 1976, the youth even worked part-time to earn a living, to supplement the income that they relied on from their parents. Today, the youth of today, 
the income that they get from nestles of course they don't want to work part time and earn any living they believe they are entitled to it but they are partying alcohol abuse dropping out of colleges and schools that's the norm one in two children that start school don't even finish school so what is the future we creating when we say the youth are the future of this generation this country then what are we creating it comes back to what we've said yesterday dysfunctional families and what is going wrong let me give you some statistics 23000 girls under the age of 18 ended up pregnant 934 of these girls were under the age of 14 934 under the age of 14 50% of fathers at the age of 15 to 24 are unemployed so what does it tell you the number of children not women children that are falling pregnant both as a result of the conduct of boys and girls coming back to the issue of dysfunctional families and are we saying we're going to expect a better future if this is going to be the conduct of the youth of today certainly not now population growth is one of the root causes of unemployment in the country because we are not able to accommodate the number of children that are being born and accommodating them into the mainstream unemployed or the employment sector the second thing is is there is not enough career guidance lack of experience mismatch at school lastly i just want to touch on one thing the time is up so <laughs> all right thank you very much <laughs> Give him just a second more. Are you saying that last? No second. Honorable Jafta from the AIC. Thank you, Honorable Jafta. Honorable Jafta. Response to this debate breaks in the room. There in existing existing government led measures that are geared towards promoting young people's livelihoods and resilience in the midst of the global pandemic pandemic and high rates of unemployment our assessment is that the road ahead is laden with ambivalence uncertainty and hopelessness for for this young population here are the numbers to demonstrate this assertion South Africa has a population of 58 million people. 40 million 40 million of this population comprises economically unproductive and old stratum. And only 18 million of this population constitute the youth, the youth. This means our economy which largely requires agile young and enterprising young South Africans to stay up the country's economic spin offs will perpetually be on the fault line the rate of unemployment among young people is instructive in this regard only 35% of south africa's 18 million youth population is employed it is not shocking therefore that 65% of this youth is unemployed 
The recent report of World Bank tells us where the problem lies. Firstly, the cost of doing business in South Africa is cumbersome. The high tariff, tariff rates to imported goods, the regulatory red tapes and challenges relating to visa requirements all account to this problem. Secondly, the rail infrastructure is in bad state. ESCOM infrastructure is old and fragile. Thirdly, we have not moved with speed to invest in the digital economy and building domestic technical skills. We have also failed to promote small business development and ex expanding access to finance. Honorable Chair, the World Bank findings cannot be taken lightly. And therefore, until we attend to them with efficiency, our young population will remain trapped in cycles of grinding poverty and despair. It is therefore upon us to shoot through all cylinders, cylinders and take stock of all the data at our disposal. I thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Shafta. The Honorable Matisha from COPE. All on it. Uh, thank you, Chair. The day we are here to remember is a very important and significant one for all South Africans, both the young and the old. Although African South Africans in particular had already risen to fight for equality and freedom by the 16th of June in 1976, it is an open secret that activism and unequal political change were intensified by what the youth contributed during that period. Today, South Africa is called a democratic a country because all South Africans can vote. But South Africa has become the oppressive, oppressive country in the entire world when it comes to what the young people are faced with. It has been said by the uh, entire world institutions that we are number 176 when it comes to poverty and inequality. The ANC government has succeeded. It has succeeded to deliver economic oppression. It has succeeded to deny the youth access to jobs, free education, and the youth development. It has succeeded to deny the youth and the poor South Africans proper health services. It has succeeded to deploy to all legislative institutions, including here, the majority of politicians who do not understand what it is the mandate to serve. But the people, that is those deployees, who believe that, that which they are supposed to do is to boo whatever opposition there is. So that if you rise and say, here yeah, you are wrong, the best thing that they can say is boo, moo. That is what they know. It has succeeded to give jobs. ANC has succeeded to give jobs to bureaucrats who believe that deployment, deployment means theft and corruption. ANC has succeeded in its failure to create jobs for 
the majority of the people of South Africa. What South Africa today is faced with is 28 years of a sufferance of torture and the greatest level of theft. It is extremely disappointing. What the ANC has succeeded here to do is to rise and say each time, wherever and whenever people rise to say we are hungry, they will quote Nelson Mandela, they will quote other people who fought for freedom, and uh, they will not say, yeah, we have failed. Thank you. And therefore, you, the people of South Matisha. Africa must now rise and say, ANC, you have disappointed us. Therefore, Thank you, Honorable rest. Thank you very much. ANC, you are failures. Thank you. From the PIC, the Honorable Nyonso. Order, Honorable Members. House Chairperson. The demographics in the youth sector in occupied Azania are heavily skewed in favor of the privileged inheritors of the proceeds of riches from many years of the exploitation of the mineral and human resources of the land. Wealth in the hands of a few has not been redistributed since the advent of the new dispensation in 1994. We have in existence a pyramid of privileges wherein the upper class children of the extremely well off are a tiny minority at the top. And you have a band of the hardworking middle-class professionals in their varieties whose children seek to sustain a semblance of privilege and opportunities to make it in life. This is where racial categorization continues to drive a wedge of divisions, leaving African families to, uh, to ask whether these barriers will ever come to an end. At the bottom of the pyramid is a huge majority of the degraded and despised set of young people from the rural poor communities and the urban homeland who can only escape in trips and draws from the social background through hard and painful measures. This scenario is unsustainable. It is a powder cage waiting to explode. In the same manner that the June 16, 1976 uprisings were inevitable revolution from the bottom, from the grassroots, from those who do not have a future to look up to. We understand June 1976 because our leaders were brains behind it. We remember Bethel trialists. We remember Anglesef Mutubeng. We remember John Ganya. We salute Bramaik Matsoban and 15 others. The PAC is of the view that an overhaul of the measures that are taken by the government should be put in place. We need to facilitate the upscaling of skills of, for young people and open the institutions of higher learning to a much wider set of youth from the bottom of the pyramid. We need a well-rounded education program to upscale the livelihood of young people. We need a new deal type of mass employment program driven by government to include the majority of young people in the development of Southern Africa geopolitical region. If we do not consider changing our perspective, young people are doomed. There is no future to look up to. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Nansa. The Honorable J.E. Hendricks, Al-Jama. Honorable House Chair, happy elder day. We must stand together. They don't like 70-year-olds here in this parliament. Inspired by the struggles of the youth of 1976, Al-Jama is throwing its weight behind campaigns for true liberation by the youth. 
This is part of the renewal campaign of us who have roots in the liberation movement. We must support the revival of the governing party as it is the only party with the numbers for our dear liberation movement. Just imagine South Africa led by a DA coalition. That will not be the true liberation the youth wants. Black faces in the DA, they reject. I want to tell the youth as we commemorate the sacrifices of those who fought for them in 1976, that cabinet ministers have said that there are funds in their votes for them. Altamar will keep them accountable and the development agencies uh, like the NDA and in fact go the extra mile to make programs uh, happen. We're already working with some of these uh, uh, programs. Altamar will ask cabinet ministers, what do you have for the youth in your line items for Paul, Matubatuba, Harding, Mapami Village, Crowdbuild, Mbaza, Mzintu, Puspakrich, Bokmakiri, New Horizons in Pelican Park, and many other villages, locations and townships where Al Jamaa is throwing its weight behind the youth and commemorating June the 16th, where they live this year. No other political party is doing this with the youth of South Africa. If they do it, it is for narrow political interest. Al Jamaa is calling on the media to help tell the youth where these revolutionary events are taking place and themselves attend these events and report to the nation the untold stories of June the 16th, especially from the Western Cape and settle the debate whether the call for education before liberation or the call for liberation before education was a better call in view of the crisis in uh, education today. Especially in the Western Cape where the DA is firing up best school principals like Wesley Newman. The learners of Heathful Eye are picketing today at a venue where conciliation is being done. Other members must support the conciliation and Heathful learners will be so proud as they see honorable members are there for them, and it is not just lip service in this debate. So see you at Paul at Kingston High School in Clay Nierberg at 10 a.m. tomorrow, uh, and uh, that is the place to be where uh, 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 al Zamar will tell the, un- the untold story of June the 16th. Paulie Orskantero, to and for the ladies in the house, Paulie is a lady who is going to Paul to visit their carols. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair. Thank you, Honorable Hendricks. The Honorable Abrams from the TA. Thank you, House Chairperson. I thought long and hard about the topic for this year's youth debate, and I could not help but think, why does this government continually burden young people with the need to be resilient? Why must young people take on even more and absorb more stress to keep the system, this country, functioning? For example, getting an education at all levels during the past two years of COVID-19 and lockdown was a nightmare. Yet, as soon as we survive one thing, as young person, we are as young people, we are expected to bounce back in the name of a lesson learned in resilience and a better tomorrow. But what about the present and government's role to shield us from the never-ending shocks? The ruling party, the ANC, through a litany of bad policies, continue to strip away all opportunities, forcing young people into survival mode, robbing them of a joyful and carefree youth. We know many ANC members gave up their youth for our country, but why are we still having to give up ours 28 years later? What was the point of your struggle if we still pay the price? Such as the price that the poor and unemployed young South Africans will pay due to Minister Lindiwe Zulu's new 350 SRD grant regulations. 
the qualifying criteria for the grant has recently changed the lower food poverty line of 624 as a minimum monthly income has now been reduced to 350 rand. A new definition for income has also been crafted into the regulations to include all forms of income, including support from your family members. This essentially means if five of your extended family members deposit 70 rand a month into your bank account, making up 350 rand every month, you will no longer qualify for this grant. And there goes the money young people use on transport to get to a job interview or to get data required to search and apply for jobs. The ANC government does this knowing 60.7% of the applicants for this grant are young unemployed people under 35 years and under, and the majority of, of whom are women. This is how much the ANC cares for the youth. The excuse given in this regard is that there's only enough money for 10.5 million South Africans to receive the grant. I recently read that SARS collected 1.564 trillion in taxes. Where does this money go? I'm sure every South African knows the answer to that. These kind of regulations and policy decisions force young people to do anything and everything to survive, like young women increasing their economic dependence on abusive male partners or young people collecting recycling, doing odd jobs, or hawking on the streets. Some of our youth even involve themselves in risky forms of employment, such as sex work. In their desperation to find work, youth in rural areas migrate to unfamiliar urban areas, finding themselves living in informal and unhealthy living conditions, subjected to daily acts of crime. The ANC has failed to provide young people with the opportunity to earn an honest and dignified living that was promised. And as long as the ANC is in power, the generational poverty cycle will continue. Chairperson, before we can talk about a sustainable livelihood for a better tomorrow for young people, we need to first fix the present. We need our youth to make it to adulthood with their mind, body, emotion and spirit still intact. The president can start fixing the present by doing away with all COVID-19 restrictions to kickstart the economy, giving hope to unemployed youth. Welcome to South Africa, survival of the fittest, survival of the most resilient. Thank you, House Chief. Thank you, Honourable Now invite the Honourable the Deputy Minister of Home Affairs. Honorable House Chairperson, members of the Executive, Honorable Members, fellow South Africans. On the occasion of this debate for Youth Day, we must never lose sight of what we seek to achieve through this exercise. We do not converge just to exchange words of disagreement, nor are we here to play into the gallery of seeking fame, glory, and relevance. We gather to reflect on the past that has led to the present and how we can, in the present, work to secure a, a better future for the youth of this country. We have gathered here not to see who can shout the most and list the most problems. We are here to provide solutions to the complex problems that face our youth. The task at hand requires clarity of thought. It requires us to be factual and truthful 
because not doing so takes us further away from finding long-lasting solutions. We must be cautious of the lumpen proletariat that makes revolutionary sounds to sway us from the truth because they are enemies of progress. We must always seek truth from facts, as the Chinese will say. We can never shy away or turn a blind eye to the problems faced by our youth, which are in the main driven by a poor performing economy. The economic situation has resulted in concerning statistics with youth unemployment sitting at 63.9%. This is, however, a reduction of 2.6% from the 665 in the previous quarter, which indicates that beyond the difficulties, we are making progress. The economic reconstruction and recovery plan remains our most effective weapon in resolving the economic challenges faced by our youth. The presidential employment stimulus package has resulted to the support of 850,000 opportunities. It is in such interventions that show the commitment of government in resolving the challenges faced by the youth of our country. The Youth Micro Enterprise Relief Fund, together with the NYDA grant funding program, has collectively sustained 8,600 jobs in the economy. Through the NYDA jobs program, 6,000 young people have been placed in jobs. The Department of Home Affairs has opened up 10,000 opportunities for young people through its digitization program. The South African Police Service will in the financial year 22-23 enlist 7,000 new recruits. These are some but of the few examples on how government is actively reducing youth unemployment. Chairperson, we understand that growing the economy is crucial for youth development and growth. Key to growth of our country is industrialization and beneficiation. The beneficiation strategy provides a framework that seeks to translate the country's comparative advantage derived from mineral resources endowment to national competitive advantage. The strategy is aligned to a national industrialization program, which seeks to enhance the quality and quantity of exports, promote creation of decent employment, and diversification of the economy, including promoting the green economy. Further, the strategy is contributing towards strengthening of the knowledge economy in support of the overall competitiveness of our economy. As part of attracting investment and companies to where people are found, revitalization of the industrial parks located in black African townships is being implemented with building up of digital hubs to attract youth innovators and entrepreneurs. Through partnerships with CETA, mentors and consultants are placed to coach and guide youth in the hubs as part of incubation. In April this year, one in Bochabelo Industrial Park in the Free State was launched. The next project is in Mandane, Nuwastebe Industrial Park. The rest are to follow in all provinces. Through the interventions of the Department of Trade and Industry, government has created opportunities for industries to strive. This month has already started solidly with the VW plant in Karaha in Eastern Cape producing the one million polo for export. We launched a new food factory carrying ingredients in KZN 
current break opened. It's the, it's the end of the month. The ITC will have launched the pilot township economy program to improve access to finance and de-risk SMMEs through business support measures, all benefiting young people. By September, production of industrial helium will start in the free state one of only eight countries globally producing this gas. Chinese company Ryan Industries will complete its tile manufacturing facility. A South African food exporter network will be launched. We also aim to conclude the South African Customs Union formal tariff offer of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, covering 90% of all tariffs. By October, the Tuane SEZ aims to complete 11 automotive component plant in support of Ford's 16 billion rand investment, employing about 2,000 workers in the new zone. SA Steel Mills aims to complete its production plant announced at the investment conference, and the draft patent bill will be submitted to cabinet for consideration. These are about a few progressive industrialization projects that the government working with the private sector continue to build into reality. Those who, who have not bothered to familiarize themselves with this work must not speak much and must relax and not come here and discourage the youth that their future is bleak. Chairperson, a nation that does not invest in the education of its youth is practically building a society without a future. It is our desire to see a better future for our youth that drives our unwavering investment in over, on education. Over the years, we have increased both infrastructure and financial support to increase higher education and training intakes. The number of enrollment for public higher education stood at above 1 million in 2022. This is an increase from 837,776 in year 2010. This is a clear indication that we are progressing rather than regressing. Our higher education system has drawn international interest with recent numbers of international students having grown from 34,000 to about 51,000 in 2020. This is a clear indication that our infrastructure built for higher education is allowing us to increase access to higher education. The Department of Higher Education and Training invested 56.8 billion in the 2021 financial year for post-school education and training. This was an increase from 25.1 billion in the 11-12 financial year, doubling the investment that we've been making in education. The national student in the year 2018, the Department of Higher Education and Training introduced a bursary which subsidized the poor working class students. This is part of the progressive call made by the African National Congress Youth League for free education in our lifetime. The National Student Financial Aid Scheme benefited 765,740 learners with a total amount of about 37 billion for the 2020 academic year. This is a huge investment by government towards securing education and a brighter future for the South African youth. It shows that we remain committed in the continued improvement of education levels of our youth. 
government continues to build a new social compact that brings together social partners, labor, communities, and business. These interventions will see public-private partnerships being put in place in the ports of Deben and Nguha. We are already looking at reform that will reduce the rate tap in order to accelerate growth and job creation. To build a better future for the youth, we must invest in strategic infrastructure that will benefit generations that will come before us, after us. The state of the nation addressed by President Cyril Ramaphosa makes it clear that over the next 10 years, government will invest about 100 billion with 96 billion targeted for student accommodation, roads and infrastructure, telecommunications, as well as water and sanitation. Jefferson, the Spanish-American philosopher, Job Santayana, teaches us that those who do not remember the past are doomed to repeat it. We must never forget that the youth of 1976 stood against bad education, and it was the ANC that supported this vision and continued to say the doors of learning shall be opened to all. Even today, Chair, we continue to hold true to our commitment by opening doors of learning. The youth of 1976 stood against making Africans compulsory in schools. It is the same, it is the same Chaperson, it is a shame Chaperson, to see products of those who benefited in marginalizing a black child stand here and say the ANC has failed. Chaperson, they never wanted the ANC to succeed. And even today, they still do not wish to see it making progress. They are nothing but armchair critics who have nothing to offer except being enemies of progress. June 16 reminds us that young people of different generations have always acted to solve the unique problems of their day. The youth of today also has the responsibility to provide leadership on issues facing their generation. It is for these young people to provide clear solutions on how to respond to the present challenges. The youth of today ought to find innovative ways of tackling challenges we are currently confronted with. Young people should become active agents of change. They must lead the country through innovative ideas that speak to the leadership of that is needed amongst young people in all sectors of society. Being an active agent, progressive change speaks to an ability to be proactive in thinking about ways to overcome challenges we face. We need young people that will think beyond themselves. We need a youth that is committed to a common future for all, a youth that will commit themselves to actively create a better South Africa. The pursuit of individual wealth ought not to away the commitment of building a better future for all. Young people ought to work towards a common future for all by thinking of solutions to structural problems that hold our country back. We need leaders that will become think tanks, action people, and role models for progressive change. We don't need people who will come and use these platforms to campaign and say, remove the ANC. That shows lack of vision. This will require commitment, selflessness, and ambition to grow beyond the limit of self. And as the uh, honorables from the IFP, go to my honorable Dana Obanos, or Pinchana Pogini, honorable C.
in conclusion, Chair, it is our firm belief that the future of our youth is right. Yes. Point of order, yes. Yes, Honorable Member, Honorable Deputy Minister, take your seat. Order, Honorable Members. Honorable Members. Honorable members, Honorable members, Honorable members from the ANC, I want to listen to the point of order and you are disrupting the person that I've recognized. Let's give the Honorable member an opportunity, please. Please proceed. Uzo Kulumange youth, Uzo Bala in Dow as a man then gasted. Was Teb Abandamakona Bahola forty five land years old. A seven under my agent. Oh, have your one zero such a friend of Uzo. Thank you. By a super and let you thank you, Honorable Kaila. Honorable Kaila, take your seat now, please. Please take your seat. Bandu Badit. Please take your seat. Now, Gomuna Funabu. Honorable members, Honorable Kawula, that is not a point of order. It's not a point of order. It's a point for debate. Honorable Minister, before you proceed, may I request members in the House, let us respect one another. If you want to be respected, please respect another member as well. And when a member has been recognized, you cannot just interrupt the member and start shouting and screaming at them. This is not a crash. This is the National Assembly. Please proceed, Honorable Member. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Again, they are pointing to problems that the ANC is resolving. The project we are indicating is going to resolve the very same issues that are being dealt with. In conclusion, Chair, it is our firm belief that the future of our youth is bright. We must continue to invest in hard work that will turn the fortunes of our youth. We must continue to work hard and never be deterred by enemies of progress. We must hold steadfast and build a better and brighter future for our youth because they will always remember that the ANC remained committed in building a brighter future for them by presenting practical solutions. Chairperson, I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Thank you, Honorable Member. Yes, Honorable Member, why do you want to be recognized? Chairperson, I'm very concerned that this person who was never in Parliament is not wearing a mask, and most of them are no. sitting without masks. Honorable Members, may I appeal? May order. Order, Honorable Members. Order. Honorable Members. Honorable Members. When the session opened, the request was clearly made for members to keep on their masks. You are sitting in close proximity to one another, right? So let us do that. May I also request that these MPs on the right-hand side sitting across from where the Honorable Paulson is sitting, as well as the Honorable Paulson, stop agitating one another because you are disrupting procedures in the House. If you want to communicate with one another, please go outside and do so. It is very disrespectful when there's a member at the podium and you simply continue with the to and fro with one another. It also happened yesterday. And this is your final warning. Next time I'm gonna ask you to leave the house. 
Honourable members, that concluded the debate, and the secretary will read the second order of the day. Consideration of candidate nominated for appointment as Inspector General of Intelligence Services. I now recognize the Honorable Marke. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson, uh, comrades and colleagues. Honorable Chairperson, Section 71 of the Intelligence Services Oversight Act Number 40 of 1994 mandates the Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence to nominate a candidate to the National Assembly for approval by at least two thirds of its members to be appointed as an Inspector General by the President of the country. On the 8th and 9th of February, the committee interviewed 10 shortlisted candidates for the position of the Inspector General of Intelligence. The candidates were interviewed on relevant areas regarding the role and functions of the IGI based on the Constitution, the Act, and other relevant legislation on other matters such as the High-Level Review Panel Report. Following deliberations, the Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence resolved by simple majority of members present to nominate Reverend Frank Chikani for approval by the National Assembly for recommendation to the President for appointment as Inspector General of Intelligence. Chairperson, uh, there was a stage in, in this country in which the country went for more than 18 months without an Inspector General of Intelligence, only because of disagreement of parties in this house. Such a situation is definitely undes undesirable for the people of our country, especially if we go back and look at the main reason for the establishment of such an office. We all know what used to happen during the apartheid era. The security and intelligence services used to do things with impunity. They were the law unto themselves. The creation of this office was to try and cap all these abnormalities. We therefore can't afford to go for long periods without this very important and serious watchdog office, especially after what came out of the Zondo Commission report. Having said all this, uh, Chairperson, let us all look at the appropriate person needed in an office of this nature. Impartiality, honesty, high morality, integrity, and dedication, dedication and patriotism, putting your, your country first before personal interest. Let us then turn to the nominee that we are bringing to the House. The interview of this candidate was done in view of the whole of South Africa, and maybe even the whole world that cared to watch the interview. And I would like to believe, Chairperson, the whole world saw who the best candidate was in the interviews. So my belief is that 
any right thinking person without prejudice and not influenced by hatred, but being objective and rational would make the right decision in this case for the sake of our country. Hypocrisy should be declared a sin to those that are believers. And if it was, it is hypocritical for some of us in this house to have identified Nelson Holisata Mandela as a terrorist for over 27 years and suddenly change their hearts and call him a hero. The fact remains that he was one of the founders of Mkondowe Sizwe. He was the first commander-in-chief of this terrorist organization, therefore making him the biggest terrorist. Reverend Chikan was never a commander-in-chief. He was, as far as I know, never a terrorist. He is a man of the cloth who was poisoned and nearly killed for his convictions by a system that operated with impunity. As I said earlier, this office, like IPED, Police Secretariat, Defense Secretariat, etc., were established in order to stop the madness of impunity within the security, intelligence, and defense structures of this country, to keep them in check. He is the right man for the job. An impartial, honest man of high morals, a patriot, a dedicated man with integrity, a man who without doubt can serve his country with diligence. Everybody knows this. He stands for the truth. He even stands up and say it when his own organization is going astray. Oh no, remember your time is now expired. Thank you. Honorable members, I will now recognize political parties wishing to make a declaration. The Democratic Alliance. Institutional memory is a wonderful thing. There are those in this house who, whether they like it or not, remember the last time the ANC tried to railroad a cater in as the Inspector General of Intelligence. Now, not for a moment suggesting that the Reverend Chikani is in any way similar to that constitution-crushing ex-ANC MP Cecil Secrecy Bill Burgess, but what happened after that debacle was it took years to find a replacement everyone would accept because the ANC put up a person who was never going to get the two-thirds majority in this House. Cecil Burgess was the worst possible candidate the ANC could have chosen to attempt to put in this position. So years later, it was Dr. Dentway who was eventually sworn in, and he had to have a spine of steel. He was attacked from every side and even had his top-secret security clearance removed by Arthur Fraser when he circled too close to that particular fire. Well, he survived, and of course, Mr. Fraser was moved out, but then saved by the president. 
he is still the president today, isn't he? Um, and handed the high paying job of DG of Correctional Services. Ministers attacked Dr. Dean Twe. Others laid complaints that were false from beginning to end, but were duly investigated. And still, Dr. Dean Twe persevered. He did the job which was to monitor intelligence activities. His term ended and now the ANC has suddenly produced another close colleague, the Reverend Frank Ciccone, a gentle and delightful man. He has a strong background in fighting apartheid, survived an assassination attempt, and from 97 became a member of the ANC-NEC and then DG to the presidency under Thabo Mbeki and then consulted to Presidents Motlante and Zuma. He is ANC to his very roots and went on from Parliament to become the president of the Apostolic Faith Mission. The question has to be asked is whether an ANC cadre would stand up and act if an issue arose against a lifelong colleague, perhaps a minister. He would be put in an impossible situation. It's a matter of credibility. It's highly unlikely a working member in one of the three services would believe that he would take their side rather than the side of his good comrade. Whether this would play out or such is irrelevant. The perception would remain. As an elder, he should really not be put in this position, and nor should the staff of the entities be put in the position of wondering whose side he would champion. Despite the fact that the three Democratic Alliance members of the JSCI did not vote for this candidate to be appointed, it seems, according to all headlines, that it was announced to the media that our committee had decided upon the Reverend. That decision was in no way unanimous, but that was somehow left out of the reports. This is a specific position that needs someone who will not give in to pressure from ministers attempting to protect certain favorites within their departments. Decisions have to be taken and pushed ahead no matter how difficult and unpopular they are. We had huge expertise amongst the various candidates, but the Reverend was the specific ANC candidate despite having been out of this business for many, many years. The entire thrust of the high-level review panel report was that intelligence must be apolitical, not supporting any government party faction, and seldom has there been a time when the factions have been as strong, and it is common cause that the Reverend is and will always be an integral part of the ANC. The HLRP report proved what we had long contended, that those intelligence agencies, notably the SSA, were doing the bidding of a faction of the ANC. The Reverend's knowledge of the Thabo Mbeki era is vast but it is of that era. In the past decades as DG of the presidency, he worked in the periphery of the security sector. And this came across very clearly in his interview. He believes there are things that the office of the IG can achieve when in fact they are far outside its mandate. In his interview, he said he believes that the gaps in the law will be filled by the position of the IGI, but the laws are handled by parliament. He is looking to restructure intelligence and question all the acting positions, yet the IGI has no role to play there. He believes he should fix these issues, but that's not the job of the IGI. It's the job of the minister, the DG, and the politicians. He says what was created at the dawn of democracy has been warped, but he was there for a decade on the ANC top structures watching it happen. Grace and elder statement status do not necessarily equal the ability to deal decisively with people who have looted hundreds of millions of rands, as was all laid out in technicolor detail during the Zondo Commission. We are not talking about people who will be impressed by someone who simply expects them to do the right thing. They've already done the wrong thing repeatedly and got away with it. The Reverend is not the person to do this job, and the Democratic Alliance will vote against this proposal. The EFF. 
Thank you, uh, Honorable Chairperson. The EFF fundamentally rejects the recommendation that uh, Frank Chikani must be the IGI. This is one of the most embarrassing proposals coming from the branches of the ANC, indicating a serious crippling uh, of their psychology because this recycling is a demonstration of the greatest cognitive dissonance there ever was. A 71-year-old in a pool of talent across the country that must be reinserted at the highest levels of constitutional structures uh, is a statement of no confidence on the youth, is a statement of no confidence generally uh, in the country, but it's a reflection that the ANC has run out of talent. Chigani was the worst performing candidate in the interview but let us go to the basic issue which is being forwarded in relation to his candidature that is his integrity we are of the opinion that he's got an inconsistent morality and ethical practice demonstrated number one by his utter silence in 2001 when president Mbeki abused the intelligence services to try and investigate three of the veterans of the anc supposedly plotting to harm him and oust him this was on the eve of the 2002 conference of the anc it was obvious that president Mbeki was in abuse of these structures Chigani was silent and did nothing. He admitted to being asked to, to run for this position by ANC leaders. But when he was asked to declare who these leaders are, he was not ethical enough to declare that I was asked by so-and-so to stand for this position. He knows little if not nothing about the current environment of the intelligence services uh, indicated by his uh, proposals in relation to the amendment of laws and to the fixing of structures that have nothing to do with the constitutional and legislative mandate of the IGI. Chigan is also steeped in NGOs that are compromised, that are infiltrated by international stru intelligence structures, but above all, to show this ethical inconsistency. He works with people in these NGOs who want to fix South Africa's democracy, but ironically are in support of apartheid Israel. When he was teased on these questions, Chigan was obvious, came out to be inconsistent, contradictory in relation to the consistency in relation to ethics. So he does not have the ethical command and the integrity that the ANC supposes that he does. But on the eve of June 16, to recommend a 71-year-old that has had his time. It's a greater statement of no confidence in the youth and the talent of this country. I think if President, if, if, if Ntatechigane still has any ounce of ethical and integrity left in him, within him, he should literally just resign. He should be unavailable. Take a seat, take a back seat, mentor, advise, but not want to be part of an active government that he has helped, that he has been part of, that he has been at its highest positions to help go down. He's part of the old guard. He's part of the people that we should not be hearing their names to take important roles anymore. The EFF rejects his candidature and we're not going to support it. In fact, as you would have realized, we opposed him in and outside uh, the committee deliberation. So this candidate is not going to make it even in today. He's not going to get a two-thirds majority because he can't be supported. He has no ethical consistency. He has no technical knowledge of the intelligence services. And uh, he's the old guard.
He's infiltrated. He works in NGOs that are infiltrated by international intelligence agencies and is oblivious to that. We reject his candidature. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honourable Member. The IFP. The IFP. Chairperson. Given the extremely uh, sensitive nature of the mandate and information dealt with by the SSA, it is almost impossible for absolute oversight of the intelligence services. This is precisely why it is necessary to have an, an, an inspector general of intelligence who reports to the JSCI and president as is required in the constitution and in terms of the intelligence services oversight. Act. Chairperson, it is fact that uh, the JSCI will only be as strong as the inspector general who reports to it. The position requires an individual whose conduct and political uh, bipartisanship are beyond repro reproach. The fact that it, is, it, has, it has taken this long to fill the position is worrisome. However, now that it is filled, the incumbent can take control of the monitoring of intelligence and um, counterintelligence activities of the state security agency and the intelligence divisions of South African police services and the National Defense Force. The, 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 the independence of the office of the IGI is paramount and its human and capital resources should have no link to the SSA. For example, all IT hardware for the office is currently sourced and provided by the SSA chairperson. The incumbent, Reverend Chikane, is a fit and proper person with a appropriate level of knowledge of the intelligence services, which will enable him to perform his oversight role with all due diligence. With all due diligence. His past roles as an activist and veteran struggle leader against the, the abolition of apartheid, as well as being a committed member of the ANC, stand him in good stead, but, and here is the uh, uh, caveat, the only uh, partisanship he can now hold will be to the people of South Africa, the rule of law, and our constitutional democracy. Chairperson, there is no doubt that uh, Reverend Chikane has a challenging road ahead of him. The intelligence services are operating at their lowest ebb. Their is clear lack of uh, leadership, and this will uh, require competent oversight by an individual with a prior knowledge of the intelligence services realm to repair. And this is exactly what Erevan Chikane brings to the table. The IFP supports the nomination of Reverend Chikane to the position of Inspector General of the Intelligence. I thank you, Chair. Thank, thank you. you. The FF Plus. Thank you, House Chairperson. House Chair Voltaire said, history never repeats itself, but man always does. The intelligence structure was abused prior to 1994, terribly. And then during the Mbeki era, it was also abused. During the nine last years, it was also abused. It is each of our responsibility prevent the mistakes from reoccurring. The member from the ANC is correct 
that the IGI should be impartial. And thus, BFF Plus cannot support this appointment. I thank you. The ACDP, no declaration. Order, honorable members. The UDM. <clears throat> House Chair, the Office of the Ins Inspector General of Intelligence is very important as it monitors the reduced operations of the intelligence services of South Africa, which include state security agencies and so on. Its function is uh, primarily important as it seeks to look at complaints from the public as well as to the abuses of the constitutions and intelligence laws by intelligence services. For a long time, for the longest period, especially in the past 20 years, the intelligence services of South Africa have been abused and used to advance the factional causes and battles of the ANC or the African National Congress. We, we want to state that it is our view that uh, uh, the state security services is not there in order for it to be used by the dominant faction of the ruling party, but rather to save the state, save the state and the people of South Africa. Yes, we have reservations and concerns about the fact that a younger, perhaps more energetic person could have been chosen, but we're of the view that Reverend Frank Chikane is a man of integrity who will be able to actually discharge his responsibilities in this new assignment uh, with distinction. We support the report and the nomination. Thank you, Chair. The ATM. Chair, uh, can I sit down? I'm too tall for this mic. Chair, uh, hardly five minutes from concluding a youth debate a 71-year-old who has been in government since the 90s is proposed to be appointed as an inspector, inspector general of intelligence. This shows how the ruling party talks left and walks right. We can't keep recycling the same people over and over again, whereas we've got a big pool of young talent and expertise in our country. This position requires a person who does not have baggage and does not have ties with the ruling party. We reject this proposal. Thank you. Order, honorable members. Good. The House Chair, we support the nomination. Thank you. Thank you. The NFP. The NFP. The AIC. House Chair, we support the recommendation. Thank you very much. Cope. Is there a declaration from Cope? The PAC, Al Jama, the PAC, no, you've got serious connectivity issues, honorable member from the PAC, Al Jama. The PAC? No, we can't hear you, Honorable Member. Al Jama? The ANC? Thank you very much, Honorable House Chairperson.
I stand here on behalf of the ANC in support of the report of the Joint Standing Committee of Intelligence for the nomination of Reverend uh, Frank Chikane to be the Inspector General of Intelligence. We also wish that the honorable members of this house who represent the people of South Africa through their political parties will support the no the, this noble nomination of a loyal South African to the, to the position of the Inspector General. The matter of national security, Honorable Chairperson, is critical for the socioeconomic development of our country. In the recent past, our country has experienced some instabilities which have to put the question to put the, the question of capacity and ability to the state to ensure stability. In addition to this, the president has appointed the high-level panel, uh, high-level review panel on state security. Amongst other things, the high-level panel uh, review panel was tasked with the objective of enabling the reconstruction of the professional national intelligence capacity for South Africa that will respect and uphold the constitution and the relevant legislative uh, prescripts. Amongst the recommendation of the high level panel is an urgent measure to be put in place to ensure com compliance by the intelligence services with the white paper and the legislative pre prescripts on the on intelligence coordination with consequences of non-compliance. Furthermore, the expert panel on July on the July unrest also emphasized the observation made by the high-level uh, panel report. The expert panel emphasized on the central role of NICOC in strategic intelligence coordination. When the joint uh, when the joint standing committee on intelligence in, uh, conducted its process of identifying a suitable candidate to be nominated for the position of the inspector general we were informed we were informed by the high level uh, report panel or we were informed by the high level uh, panel report the reverend frank chikane is an esteemed south african whose commitment and loyalty to our nation is without question Reverend Chikane is a patriot who paid a price for our freedom, like many of our compatriots. Reverend Chikane brings a wealth of knowledge and experience in the public service, having served as the Director General in the office of the former President Abumbeki and being a sec the Secretary of Cabinet. And in his capacity, he also had a responsibility to lead the Forum of South African Directors General. This means that coordination has been central to Reverend Frank Chikane's work in the, in the state. His experience in negotiations, conflict resolution, mediation and peacemaking put him in good stead to steer the intelligence services of our country in the right direction. Our country and its people need to be safe and secure. The safety of our people, the integrity of our state, and the defense of our, of our territory are what define nationhood. We have confidence in, in, in Reverend Frank Chikane, and we know he will not disappoint us. Honorable House Chairperson, I want to say that age is nothing but just a number. The Inspector General, Honorable House Chairperson, the Inspector General, that position, you cannot give it to a young person. Because if you do that, the country order, honorable members, order. If that position can be 
given to a young person, the country will be sold for 15 cents in the next minute. Honorable Chairperson, the opposition of the appointment of a honor of oh, the honorable members is an opposition to ethical conduct. It's an opposition to experience. It's an opposition to impartiality. It's an opposition to loyalty. It's an opposition to commitment. The Reverend Chikane is one person who is not afraid to challenge authority. If he believes that what you are doing is wrong, he will challenge you for that. The Reverend Chikane, yes, he did say that he was encouraged by the elders the elders who are vocal about some of us in the ANC, about the leaders of the ANC who are doing wrong. They are vocal to point out that this is wrong. There is nothing wrong with a person who is well known by civil society. There's nothing about that. There is no one in this planet Earth whom you will find not to be associated with anything or anyone. There is no such thing. So your, oppos your opposition to his appointment, you are opposing a person who is loyal to South Africa, not to the party. The person is loyal. He has... The Reverend Chikane, if I may tell you, he excelled in the interviews. Everyone who was watching knows that. We have no doubt. He has experience. He has loyalty to the country. His loyalty is to the country, not to the ANC. So as the ANC, we support the nomination of Reverend Chikane as the IGI of intelligence. So the opposition parties, your opposing to this is because of your hatred, is because you don't want honest people to serve this country. He's a man of the cloth. He is loyal to South Africa, not individuals. Honorable House Chairperson, I thank you. Order, honorable members. Order, honorable members. Order. Order, honorable members. Honorable members, I now put the question. Are there any objections to the approval by the House of the nomination of the Reverend Frank Chikane for appointment as Inspector General of Intelligence Services? Are there any objections? Chairperson, there is an objection from the Democratic Alliance and we'd like to call for a division. Honorable members, order. Honorable Modise sitting next to the minister. I've cautioned you earlier, honorable member, and you continue. Honorable members, in terms of section seven, subsection one of the Intelligence Services Oversight Act of 1994, the person nominated for appointment as Inspector General of Intelligence Services must be approved by a two-thirds majority of members of the assembly. A division has been called and the bells will be rung for five minutes.
other honorable members, may close the doors. Thank you. Board honorable members. The speaker has determined that in accordance with the rules, a manual voting procedure will be used for this division. Firstly, in order to establish a quorum, I would request the table to confirm that we do have the requisite number of members physically present here in the chamber and on the virtual platform to take this decision. Party whips will then be given an opportunity to confirm the number of their members present and indicate if they vote for or against the question. A member who wishes to abstain or vote against the party vote may do so by informing the chairperson. Do we have a quorum? It's been confirmed that there is a quorum present in the House and on the virtual platform. Honorable members, the question before the House is that the House approves the nomination of Reverend Frank Chicane for appointment as Inspector General of Intelligence Services. Voting will now commence. I now request the whips who will confirm the number of your members present in the chamber and on the virtual platform and also indicate if they vote for or against the question. The ANC. The ANC on the virtual platform 165. The ANC in chamber is 53, totaling up to 218. We are voting in full support for Reverend Frank Chikane to be appointed as IG. Thank you. Thank you. The DA. House Chairperson Frolic. In the House, the DA has 56, uh, sorry, 17 members. Online, we have 56 members. That gives us a total of 73 members voting against the appointment of advocates of Reverend Frank Jukani being appointed as Inspector General of Intelligence Services. Thank you. The EFF. Thanks, House Chair. On the visual platform, we are 13. On, uh, in the House, we are 16. It's up to 29 voting against the pensioner, Chicago. Thank you. The IFP? Chairperson, the IFP have nine on virtual, one in the House, 10 voting in favor. Thank you. The FF Plus? Thank you, House Chairperson. We are two members in the House. We are six members on the virtual platform. There's a total of eight voting against. The, the ACDP? House Chair, one on virtual, two in the House voting against. Thank you. The UDM? House Chair, one on virtual. Honourable members. The UDM? House Chair, uh, one on virtual voting in favor. Thank you. The ATM? The ATM? Good. House Chair, two on the virtual platform voting in favor. Thank you. The NFP? The AIC? House Chair, one on visual voting in favor. That was the AIC. Cope. The PAC. Al Jama. Is there any member that wish to abstain or vote differently to their party? 
Have all members recorded their support? Thank you. The voting session is now closed. Order, honorable members. Order. Order, honorable members. Honorable members, the outcome of the division is as follows. There's 232 that voted in favor. 113 voted against. There's no abstentions. In terms of Section 7, Subsection 1 of the Intelligence Services Oversight Act of 1994, the person nominated for appointment as Inspector General of Intelligence must be approved by a two-thirds majority of members of the Assembly. This requirement has not been met, and the question is then being deferred. What done? Order, honorable members. Order. Order, order, honorable members. I now recognize, order, honorable members. I now recognize the honorable deputy chief of the majority party. The honorable member requested me to make a short statement. Thank you very much, honorable house chairperson. As a leader in my own right, I want to humbly apologize to the youth of this country because when you are standing here, when you are standing here on the podium and you are debating something that is very critical to the country, you end up saying things that you don't mean it. I want to withdraw that statement that said that I said in my speech, Honorable House Chairperson that if the position is given to a young person, it will, it will, the country will be sold for 15 cents. I withdraw that and I regret what I said. Thank you very much. Thank you. We are cooler, we are cooler. 
Thank you, honorable members. Order. Order, honorable members. The secretary will read the third order of the day. Consideration of order, honorable members. Consideration of second report of Portfolio Committee on Trade and Industry on request by Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition to recommend suitable candidates for appointment as chairperson of Board of National Lotteries Commission. I will now recognize political parties wishing to make a declaration the opportunity to do so. The DA. My honorable government, on, honorable member, honorable member, will you just please take your seat again? Where's the honorable Hermans? Let me first get the honorable Hermans to introduce the report and then I will recognize you. My apologies. Thank you very much, House Chair. Um, in terms of Section 33 of the Lotteries Act, the member contemplated in Section 31A of the Act, the chairperson, shall be appointed only after the Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition, amongst others, and the relevant committee of the National Assembly has made recommendations to the Minister in relation thereto after a transparent an open process of considering persons so nominated having due regard to the functions of the board. The minister has, has done that in November 2020 when he submitted a request to the Assembly, uh, to the National Assembly for a recommendation on suitable candidates for the appointment of the chairpersons of the NRC. In his initial request, he submitted a short list of names um, of candidates for the committee's consideration. However, as the committee takes its oversight responsibility uh, seriously over the department and its entities, it sought guidance on whether it was the prerogative of the minister to submit a short list of names to the committee for consideration or whether the ministers required to submit all names submitted by the public to the National Assembly and for the committee to determine a short list of candidates so nominated to be interviewed by the committee. After receiving the necessary legal guidance, um, that it's the prerogative of the committee to shortlist candidates to be interviewed. It requested that the minister submits all CVs of, candid of all candidates which he duly complied with. The committee duly proceeded to shortlist candidates to be interviewed for the position of chairperson of the board of the National Lotteries Commission. These interviews were held on the 9th of March 2021, with the committee submitting its report on the recommendation to the Minister of Names of suitable candidates for his consideration. 
The committee adopted its initial report on the 12th of March, 2021. However, in terms of NA Rule 351-1, the report lapsed on the last sitting day of the National Assembly for the 2021 annual session. We were also subsequently informed that one of the candidates for consideration had unfortunately passed away. The NA revived the report on the 22nd of March 2022 and referred it back to the Committee for Consideration and Report. In light of the above, the committee resolved to add the names of Reverend Frank Chicani and um, Mr. T. Dramini to the list and to the list already submitted to Parliament and to submit it to the National Assembly for consideration. I thank you, Chair. Thank you. I now invite the parties who want to make declarations. The DA. Hello, Chief. Thank you very much, House Chair. Honourable House Chairperson, the Democratic Alliance has been fighting with Parliament to get the first iteration of this report to be considered since it was ACT on the 17th of March 2021. The second iteration comes almost one year and three months later. The former board chairperson, fake professor and prolific looter, Alfred Nebatunda's term ended on the 30th of November 2020. This means that a scandal-ridden entity like the NLC has been without leadership for almost one year and six months. For the sake of accuracy, let us look at how the African National Congress and its incapacitated deployee in ministerial office has derailed this process. It starts off with Minister Patel contravening the legislation which guards this process in late 2020 by putting forward the names of three candidates to the Portfolio Committee to consider. Instead, the legal advice sought at the time by the DA and Parliament stated that the committee was to undertake a process of selecting three candidates and then recommending them to the minister. It should be noted that this left the ANC members in the Portfolio Committee in a total state of disarray. Moving on, the Portfolio Committee then decided that the process should rightly be guided by the legislation and a series of meetings were had to determine the interview criteria as well as the shortlisting. Despite the DA having appealed to the committee that it should carefully consider our crafted recommendations it put forward, ensure that they didn't get another dud for a board chairperson, the ANC using its parliamentary majority rejected them in their entirety. In addition, the DA argued that we should attempt to conclude the interview process and the shortlisting of candidates by the end of December 2020, but the ANC opted for their beach towels and their flip-flops instead. In the intervening period, Minister Patel attempted to appoint his ministerial appointee to the board, Ms. Andile Brown, as the acting chairperson of the NLC. The DA objected to this and the NLC's board took it to court and it got set aside. Eventually in February 2021, the process to shortlist interview and select three candidates for referral to the minister began. We agreed as a committee to interview six candidates, of which three would be referred to the minister. The interviews, despite having been long and arduous, went off without a hitch until we got to the task of deciding upon three names that would be sent to the minister. The DA argued that the three highest scoring candidates should be submitted. 
However, we had a concern with the late Dr. Mutuhandini Matsibandila, who had not only served on the board as the chairperson of human capital, social and ethics, while the industrial scale looting of the NLC had taken place, but the outer organization flagged him for having had a conflict of interest as a grant beneficiary, which he failed to disclose. We raised this as a re reason for his exclusion from the list of three to be submitted to the minister, but the ANC in their infinite wisdom decided to proceed. To cut a long story short, he decided to take me to court for defamation, citing that my exposure of his lies had meant that his partner would potentially not marry him and his children were disappointed in him. After we filed a replying affidavit detailing how he lied to both the public and parliament, his lawsuit conveniently went away. Fast forward to today, and we sit with a report that only partly reflects the will of the committee. As stated earlier, we agreed to submit the three names on the basis of scoring, and rightfully Mr. Tilani, Mr. Dlamini, and Dr. Pityana should be on that list, but not Mr. Chikani, who you are trying to recycle as a cater. I suppose this explains why this matter was brought before the ANC's Cater Deployment Committee on the 9th of November 2020, as revealed at the Zondo Commission. A delay in the process run by the ANC can always be attributed to one of two things. One, pure incompetence, and two, nefarious motives. Thus far, the Special Investigating Unit has uncovered 300 million rands worth of corruption in the 12 of the 50 cases it has investigated. One can only imagine that this will run into the billions once the SIU have concluded their work. The fact of the matter is that the ANC closed their eyes while the money's meant for grannies, the sick and marginalized communities were stolen. And that's the truth. I thank you. The EFF. Is there a declaration from the EFF? Thank you, House Chairperson. From the onset, as the EFF, we must say that the NOC has not. Honorable, Honorable Member, will you just take your seat? Why are you rising, Honorable Papu? Rising in, as a follow up to the, to the request you made to all of us that in the House we should wear masks. Member Kaula, since she arrived in the House, she has never worn a mask. Honorable Members, order. Honorable Members, order. Honorable Members, just wear your masks, please. There's no, Honorable Kaula, there's no discussion around this matter. Please wear your masks. And it applies to everyone. It applies to everyone. Please continue, Honorable Member. Thank you, Chairperson. I also don't take kindly to Honorable McCudbert um, not being interrupted, but myself being interrupted. I don't think it's okay. Um, however, House Chair, we must on the onset note that the NLC has not had a chairperson for more than two years now. A vacuum that has left the entity with a hole that has inevitably led to poor governance, corruption, and a leaderless institution. In 2021, the committee deliberated extensively on how many names would be forwarded for consideration. Based on the scoring and the quality of the interviews, it was decided it would be three names. Now, that is not the premise of where we come from. We're coming from the premise that we took this initiative of starting to, um, to appoint and to nominate the chairperson board, the person who's going to be the chairperson for the NLC at a very long age in 2021, in 2020. 
And here we are now. And for me, it's disappointing that we have to sit and deliberate on names where we should be sitting and deliberating on the quality of leadership that we want in the NLC. For starters, when we first initiated, it was decided that the minister would then be the one appointing um, the, the shortlist for the candidates to go to the NLC. And we disputed that it is EFF. And we wrote to the speaker to say, no, it can't be. The committee should then be the one to facilitate the process of nomination. And that's hence where we are now. We went through a very transparent process in 2021 and ended up with three names, which we agreed as a committee. And those names were Mr. Talani, with Dr. Matibanzila, and with Mr. Tilgamini. And we must remember that the consensus that we made with the ACDP, because it was the ACDP who came with the name of Reverend Bikana or Dr. Bikana. And the only reason why, as a committee, we decided to go with that name was because there was only one mark difference or one score difference between the third and the fourth person. And hence, we decided, no, it's okay. As a committee, we'll make a consensus and we'll say, it's okay, we can include a fourth name. Now, it's very surprising that in the latter stages, when Dr. Mantavandila is late and we need to nominate three people, which initially as a committee we decided on, we then renate on that and we say we fought one fourth name. And it's even more disappointing that the fourth name is that of Reverend Chikan. And it's not personal, but it is a fact that when we were doing the interviews, Reverend Chikan arrived in the meeting, arrived in his interview, looking very like Lester. He looked bored. He looked like he was forced to do the interview. He was not interested in was very condescending. And that is the reason why he scored less than even the fourth person on the list for nominations for the NOC. And that is the basis of why we feel that he was actually asked to go to that interview. And it also informs the reason why the ANC has now come in the back foot and decided that now they want to include him as a fourth name. We must state that we as the EFF are not behind that. We reject his name, we reject it with the impunity that it deserves. What the ANC is doing now is seeks to undermine the law and to undermine our oversight as a committee and appoint Reverend Chikane without due process. It seeks to rubber stamp some misguided and corrupt attempt to impose this person as a chairperson of the National Lotus Commission. The EFF wrote to the Speaker of the National Assembly to demand that there should be an explanation as to why Reverend Chikande's name is irregularly led and um, added to the list. It was the EFF that added, that provided clear guidance and leadership on this matter. When the ANC wanted to take shortcuts in the first place using Minister Patel, it was the EFF that insisted a transparent process of the interviews. It is the EFF that will make sure that you due process is followed. The EFF supports the names of Mr. T. Talane, Mr. T. Gamini, and Dr. Pigiana. We do not support the name of Frank Shigane, and his name must be removed from the report to the president. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, the IFP. Thank you, Thank you, House Chairperson. Please proceed. The National Lottery Commission has a critical function as the national regulator to lotteries and sports pools. The commission is mandated to ensure that all lotteries are conducted with transparency, due propriety, and importantly, it must ensure that all participants are adequately protected. It is therefore vital that the chairperson leading this commission must lead it with integrity and ensure the commission fulfills its mandate, especially as the commission, as a grant funder, is mandated to enrich the lives of poor, people, poor South Africans. The NLC, however, has been plagued 
by serious allegations of corruption from IU to Parliament in March this year, it has revealed that um, a former board member received over 5.4 million rands in, in his personal account from various non-profit organizations. A prospect allegations relate, relating to irregular allocation of funds by the NLC to unqualified beneficiaries are in by these shocking revelations, and we will closely monitor the SIU's uh, progress on phase two of the investigation. On consideration of the, the report of the portfolio committee, the IFP believes that a due process was followed by the committee in monitoring candidates for the position of chairperson of the uh, board of the NLC. Recommendations were made on suitable candidates for the chairperson of the board of the NLC. And it is unfortunate that uh, the initial report of the committee lapsed on the last sitting day of the National Assembly for the, the year 2021 annual session. The report of the committee was, however, re revived in March 22. Honorable uh, member. In March 22. Please, please switch off your microphone, Honorable Tambi. Continue, Honorable Tebekulu. Thank you. Uh, it was revived in March 2022, and the IFP supports the committee's recommendation. In conclusion, the IFP accepts the portfolio committee's report, but we, however, remain highly concerned about the leadership and stability of the NLC. We remain resolute that former members uh, who have grossly abused NLC funds and enriched themselves must uh, be uh, prosecuted. I fear accept the report. Thank you. Thank you. The FF Plus. Thank, thank you, Honorable House Chair, Honorable Members. The National Lotteries Commission is the only national regulator of lotteries and sports pools in South Africa. The National Lottery Board is mandated to guarantee that the interests of all participants in lotteries are protected and to ensure that all lotteries are conducted with due propriety. Chair, regardless of any measures, mechanisms or controls, the former chairperson of the National Lotteries Board, Professor Albert Infantanda, refused to resign after he has been embroidered in controversies. While the National Lottery Commission was engulfed by ongoing reports of corruption, nepotism, and maladministration, the chair of the commission, whose term was due to expire at the end of November 2020, was extended for another year by Honorable Minister Patel after a showdown with the minister who announced a settlement with Professor Nutanda. House Chair, a special investigating unit recently revealed, as we've heard, before the Portfolio Committee, that the officials of the National Lottery Commission allegedly misappropriated state funds due to, the, to their own benefit on several occasions to the amount of 300 million rand and during their term of office. Until recently, the National Lotteries Board enjoyed the protection of the ANC-dominated Portfolio Committee before Honorable Minister Patel lost his patience and intervened by dissolving the board before the, its expiring date at the end of March 2022. Chair, the report of the committee lapsed on the last sitting day of the National Assembly and had to last year, 2021, and had to be revived again. 
Has the ANC learned any? Has the ANC committee learned any lessons from the mistakes of the past? Clearly not, honourable chair. The request for the ANC-led majority of the committee to add the names of Reverend Frank Chicani to the list should be rejected. The previous chair, Professor Nibatanda, was appointed as NLC board chairperson in 2009 under the presidency of Jacob Zuma. He was also a former chairperson of the ANC Limpopo and was one of the key fundraisers for the ANC's 2009 election campaign in Limpopo. The Premier Front Plus voted against the adoption of the report in the committee and will do so today. Honourable Chair, the mere continuation of ANC cadre employment should stop. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. The ACDP, no declaration. The UDM. The ATM. Good. Chairperson, uh, we have no declaration. Thank you. Thank you. The NFP. The AIC. COPE. PAC, Al Jamaa, the ANC. Uh, yes, that's it. Yeah, no, no, thank you for the uh, chair of chess uh, leadership. Uh, Comrade Chair of Chess, uh, the report, second report on PC on trade and industry. The ANC vision of the South African economy is guided by the Freedom Charter Chair, in particular the injunction that the people shall share in the country's wealth. This informed the ANC commitment to managing the South African economy, not only in a manner that is growing and enhancing, but ensure that the pace and pattern of growth is inclusive and transform our society. We have made sufficient advance to transform the lives of our people through, amongst other things, the access to water, access to housing and sanitation. Many of these advances have been made by government and private sector. The NLC has over the years granted communities the ability to take up the ownership and own community issues finds practical solution to them without wanting the hand of government. Consequently, main communities have benefited directly and indirect from the work and the support of the NLC. This is what the National Democratic Revolution calls for and our community to be active citizens and take responsibility for their own lives and future. Since the dawn of the COVID-19 pandemic in our shores, that resulted in a lockdown which pushed the nation and global community into a new economic reality. The many nations and graphing with efforts to bring economic back to track while balancing risk and patient the pandemic. The obvious domino effect on organizations such as National Lottery Commission are increased demand for funding as sources of relief dry up. As a result, the stability of an NLC becomes ever more important. The NLC has been instrumental in alleviating the negative effect of pandemic in poor households and poverty worsened since the beginning of the pandemic. And the NLC was there to provide the necessary support needed and the most vulnerable in our society. 
Therefore, the National Lotteries Commission, besides uh, overseeing lotteries, it plays a critical role in socio-economic transformation program in our society. We are also witnessing the human and developmental role uh, the NLC is playing in the aftermath of the flood in KZN, Eastern Cape and Northwest. This has enhanced the ability of government to provide the necessary relief needed by those who were affected by the flood. It is disheartening, and people of South Africa must know that some of, uh, of, of us, in, us in this house do not want the NLC to be fully functional, and so it could optimally support the work of the NC-led government to transform society in the interest of the South Africa. The wish of everything to fall apart so that they can govern and issues of the country. At the ANC Congress, we will never allow this. We have a history and revolutionary task to transform society and create a better life for all, particularly the poor and the working class. The NLC board has been without the permanent board since uh, uh, November 2020. When the term of the previous chairperson came to an end, the position has, been, has not been filled uh, since. The African National Congress welcomed the recommendation made by the suitable candidate to the National Lotteries Commission for the appointment of the chairperson. We believe the recommendation uh, have been necessary, skilled, and also expertise and experience to take the NLC to a new and a greater height as we construct our economic and reconstruction, which is inclusive and is developmental. We wish to make unequivocally clear that the ANC is fully in support the work of the Special Investigating Unit as it relates to exposing and rooting out corruption in the NLC. Corruption is a serious cancer in our society and is destroying the moral fiber of our society. We are not reconstructing our economy, Honorable Member, because will you just take your seat, please? Society. Thank you. You just take your seat. Honorable Member, why are you rising? I'm rising on Rule 84. Mr. Mark Pethe just said Honorable Orwin Guyane is, is lying. It's unparamentary. Honorable Cuthbert, I heard that remark. You must withdraw it. Chair, I didn't say he was lying. I said it's lies, but I will withdraw for the Thank sake you. of progress. Please continue, Honorable Member. Yeah, no, Honorable Cuthbert. We call on the SIU to ensure that every they recover every money that lost and corruption is, uh, and hold the perpetrator accountable. In the ANC, we expect the new board to exhibit high moral ethics, and for they must they know that they are served with the people of South Africa and not serving themselves. The people of South Africa are placing their trust in them to contribute towards tackling the triple challenge of poverty, unemployment, and inequality. In the African National Congress, we therefore support the report and recommending candidate to the position of the board chair. Chairperson, I think I have to address the honorable carpet in this regard. Because coming here uh, with that honorable of EFF and claiming we, the EFF, were the one that corrected the, the committee, we, the DA, were the one who corrected the committee, this policy and this government is the government of the ANC. If you want to correct or mandate anything, we have to go outside there, win election, and come back and instruct us what to do. 